And we have the privilege of saying, I know the creator of the universe. I know the God who is love. And I know the God who will rock your world. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with you, whether you're joining us here in person or online. Man, we are all about Jesus Christ. May we cry out, Alleluia. Lord, may we praise you with all we've got. And may our week be a celebration of worship, not just once throughout the week for about an hour, hour and 10 minutes somewhere at the end of the, right, not that, but may it be throughout the week lifting Jesus up. And all of God's people said, and that's what we're going after. May we truly be a celebration to him. Hey, we're launching a new sermon series starting today. And we're talking about being a light on a hill. What does that mean? To be able to be a celebration of God, to be pointing to Jesus Christ, that others might grasp a little bit of the gist of who he is. Being a light on a hill. That's the call of the church. Right? The church is actually has this original language name, the called out ones. You and I are called for a purpose, to be like a city on a hill. A little bit of the graphic, right? You're catching the graphic behind. And the city on a hill that is bright and lit up and drawing others to Jesus Christ. May we be going after that. And so each week, we're going to be talking about what it is to uh, have a word godly attached to. Like today is godly heart. What does it look like for God to begin to do a work in me one little bit at a time? And how do I go after that? And then after that, how do I apply that into different areas of my life? We're gonna go into what it means to be a godly parent or a godly spouse, what it is to be a godly citizen. What does it mean to be a godly church? May God get all the glory as we are a light on a hill pointing to Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Right, that's our call, that's what we're going after. So as we go after it today, do me a favor, turn with me if you will to Colossians chapter three, starting in verse 12. Colossians three, starting in verse 12. And today we're gonna talk about what it is to have a godly heart. What it means for God to be working in me, shaping me all for his glory. What does that look like and how do I partner with him and go after that? How can I shine like a light in a very dark world. This world is continuing to spiral in bizarre ways and definitely drifting further and further away from Jesus Christ. May our voice not be a voice that echoes what the world echoes. May our voice echo who Jesus Christ is. May he get all the glory, all right? So as we're turning to Colossians 3, starting in verse 12, first point is a godly heart will be clothed with love because God is love. A godly heart will be clothed with love because God is love. In fact, he's gonna break down what love looks like in so many different facets here, but a godly heart will be clothed with love. Here we go, let's start reading in verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. He starts out and he says, put on. And a couple things about that. First of all, that phrase there in the original language, it means clothe yourself. 
It means wear this. It means this is the thing you should be going after to dress up. By the way, the the first 11 verses talk a lot about what to put off. It was talking about things of the world that need to be set aside, but here's the things of God that need to be put on. Clothing that we need to go after, if you will. Clothe yourselves with the very character of God. Allow God to impact your soul and partner with him. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, like because you are a child of God, because you are saved, because you are adopted into his home, because you have eternity forever guaranteed for you, and it's nothing you've done but because of who he is, because of that, let him do a work in you, right? Put on then as God's chosen ones. And I just wanna say the answer here is not muscle it. Right, all too often we see in scripture, we read something and then we try to just go run and do it. Like everybody's saying, not that. Like muscling it doesn't get it done. I see it, so I gotta just try it and keep pushing it and keep putting an emphasis. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about seeing who God is, worshiping God in all you've got. As he begins to change you, letting that just rock your world, all of a sudden it naturally starts spilling out. Let him fill your soul up and have that spill to the streets. It is so much more an allowance where you're letting God do a work rather than an engaging on your own, right? That's why we call it muscling it. It's not reading scripture and just forcing it to happen. It's reading and worshiping him in the midst of it and letting God change you, all right? So that's what we're going after here. Not a, how can I go fake it today? Everybody say, not that. But Lord, how can I begin to know you as this and let it change my soul? All right, so here we go. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, set apart, holy, right? And beloved, loved by the Father. You are in a very safe place. This call out is not a, hey, here's some things you should do for those of you who don't know God. This is a way to earn it. Just do this and maybe it'll be enough. Like I know it's unsafe and if you don't get it right, you're gonna lose everything. Like not that, right? It isn't from this position of a lack of security, but rather from a total safety and security and love. Because we are set apart, God loves, God's already adopted and God is doing a work. Let's partner with him, right? It's safe to begin to let God do a work in you. Here we go compassionate hearts. Put on first compassionate hearts. This actually in the original language literally means uh, a tenderness from within. Like it's talking more about feelings. It's having an emotional care for the pain or struggle of another person. Right? And so for those of you who are mercy hearts, you're like, amen to this. I'm so all over this. Like this comes so naturally. And for those of you who love truth, this one might be a little harder where you're wrestling with seeing facts and truth and needing to see people come along, but being able to have an understanding and a hurting heart for the pain and struggle that someone else is in. Are you willing to hear that it hurts for them? And being able to hurt alongside of them. It is a sweet expression of emotion and concern. That's this phrase here, right? Compassionate hearts. And now it spills to action and kindness. 
This is where that welling up of care within starts to reach out in action and start to provide for the other person. Tender feelings that lead to tender actions, if you want to say it that way. Kindness, being able to consider ways of caring for them, being considerate for another in the middle of their difficulty. Hurting with them emotionally, but more than that, stepping in alongside of them and caring alongside of them. Kindness, being gentle in the middle of their pain. It says with humility, right? This is uh, not prioritizing yourself, but caring for someone else in the midst. Honestly, even putting yourself in a little bit of a lower spot to be able to serve with humility, serving, all right? And it's a huge deal. I think humility gets misunderstood a lot of times as I was reflecting on it this week. I just wrote this down. Humility is not, everybody say not, it is not disliking yourself. That's not humility. Oh, I'm such a fill in the blank. I can't believe I, like that's not humility. That's actually a different problem that we have going on when we start to really beat down on ourselves. Humility is not disliking self. Humility is lovingly prioritizing another over self. It's lovingly prioritizing another person over self. It is putting somebody else first, but not because you're like, you're just so you don't deserve, you shouldn't get, and so I'll go care for somebody else. Apparently, they're more valuable than me. Like, it's not that, but it is being able to say, in the midst of my God loving me, I am willing to put myself back a level and raise somebody else up and prioritize them. This is the heart of Jesus Christ. You don't, as king of the universe, step down and come into this world and care for others and die for their sin in the middle of them not even getting who you are, declaring out crucify him without having humility as the major part of who you are. Willing to set someone else up and prioritize for their good without disliking yourself, okay? Humility, it's a very healthy, biblical, God-honoring thing that we actually see in Jesus Christ in huge ways. It says, with meekness, and again, this one can be really misunderstood. The word meek often gets understood as weak, like just not asserting self in any way, like afraid in so many fronts, won't step forward, but that's not what meekness means. In fact, meek is not weak, meek is strong. Meek is the ability to not have to assert your way and willing to help others out in the midst of what they need. It's submitting to the needs or the thoughts of another out of love. It is lovingly submitting and carefully caring. Meekness, it's a huge deal. And I'm just telling you, the world does not value these things. The world does not like sell yourself. That's the opposite of humility, right? Make sure that you make your mark. That's the opposite of meekness. And it's not wrong to be a leader. Please hear me. The opposite of these things is not avoid leadership. It's not that. It's being able to care and provide, but without making it all about you. It's all about Jesus Christ. May he get all the glory. Remember, these are the things we need to be putting on. May we clothe ourselves with compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness. And then it says, and patience. Literally in the original language, this word says, large sufferings. That's what it means. Did you know that? Patience, large sufferings, macro 
pain. That's actually what it's saying. Did you know that? So the next time you're actually being patient, you can be like, this is macro pain. Like I for real am feeling this. Just so you know, that is exactly what scripture is talking about. You're feeling it wash on your shore and you're managing that pain, that struggle along the way, this huge suffering. And by the way, uh, I'll just say it this way. Patience is not uh, holding back from saying or doing something because you had no ability to say or do or affect in any way. Like that's not patience, that's actually just kind of cowering down if we're in fear. Patience is when you had the ability to avenge, but you chose not to. You let it wash on your shore and you managed carefully and lovingly even though you could have done something way other and different. And that is a huge deal. And this is the heart of our God. He is patient with my sin. He is patient with my broken heart and with yours. Our God loves us and he has the ability to avenge. But instead he goes through macro pain for you and for me. May we grasp all that our God is and allow that to be clothing our hearts. Patience. And then it says, bearing with one another in love. Have you ever wondered why scripture says patient and bearing with? Kind of side by side in a lot of different passages, right? And just so you know, the word bearing with means like I'm dealing with your, your, your kind of weird idiosyncrasies, your strangenesses. It's not about your sin washing on my shore. That's a different thing. We'll talk about it in just a second. This is like just kind of your, your little bit of weirdness that washes on my shore, right? And uh, there's a quote that I see. Uh, I've seen it a couple of times now. It actually says, um, if I can hear you chewing, I have already imagined your death. <laughs> right? I love that quote. And uh, that's a powerful quote, man. But the reality is that's not bearing with one another. Know what I'm saying? Like bearing with, it's like in those little differences and strangenesses as we walk through life, being able to have a sense of toleration for things, caring for and longing to see unity along the way. And uh, bearing with one another, if we want to say it this way, putting up with a little bit. Know what I'm saying? Putting up with. This, by the way, is not when you quote macro pain. That's a little too sensitive. You know what I'm saying? So just be a little bit careful when, the, when those simple things are washing on your shore. May we have a toughness to who we are. And, um, and then it says, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. Now we're stepping into the sin side. And if one has a complaint, like there has been an actual wrong done. I have been wronged by, and, and this shouldn't have been, and all too often what we start to do then is rise up. We start to use anger to address rather than forgiveness to address. And I wanna be super careful about the word forgive and, and that's for a whole nother, we could probably do a series on forgiveness, but let's be super careful. Like what scripture does not say is just forgive everybody all the time and that's just the end of it. So just walk around and always have, you might be like, what did he just say? Scripture literally says there's bitterness, like I haven't released it at all. 
Then there's willing to forgive. It's got the word forgive attached to it, but it's got a word under it, which is this word here, living in a grace-based way. Willing to forgive. My heart is that this thing gets resolved. It's a very vertical thing. I know my God, who is a God of forgiveness, and I am drawn to this grace-based desire. I long to see this restored. And then the third piece is actually getting together with the person horizontally and getting it resolved. There's another word for that in scripture for forgiveness. It's debt resolved. And it actually talks about there when there's a kind of a, a repentance in the midst, an apology in, then there can be this final closure. And, and being able to always live in a grace-based way with, yes, but, but it does require a level of interaction. Luke chapter 17, verse 3, for there to be a horizontal interaction, to close it down and get it done. It's not enough to say, I know Jesus, so I'm just going to let everything go. Man, we're supposed to talk about sin and walk it through and care for each other and even have repentance. Think of forgiveness as three parts. We move from bitterness to willingness to then resolved. Right In this Ephesians chapter 4, willingness, the Colossians chapter 3, willingness, it's the word live in a grace-based way, and then get things resolved with one another, and where there is repentance, it is full closure, debt removed, set it aside, okay? Think about getting to that position. By the way, how do I know if I've gotten to the point where I'm willing to forgive? When somebody comes to you and says, will you please forgive me, if your first words are, yeah, I'm going to need a minute, you weren't there right? Like willing to forgive. When they come and they're like, hey, will you please forgive me? Yes. I so want to see this just done and behind us completely done. Debt paid. Okay. Make sense? Think of it in three parts, not just in two. Make sure you are always getting to the willingness and then looking to get the debt covered. All right. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. And then it says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. May we not be forgiven of our world of sin and hold another accountable for their one that washed on our shore. May we be careful about that. Lord God, I have met the God of the universe who in love forgives me. May that fill me up and spill out over and may forgiveness of another be the absolute heart of who I am. And managing when stuff washes on your shore with forgiveness and kindness and love, with humility and meekness and care. I'm just telling you the world responds with anger and hate and attack. And be careful with that because it can start to feel like we should just respond the same way. Like it's a tennis match and as they hit it at you, you hit it right back at them. And men, don't get into it. Be cautious with that. Our job in the midst of having stuff washed on our shore is to lovingly, caringly work through the details. That is the job. It doesn't mean we don't deal with what's wrong. That is not the same thing. It is not just let it all go no matter how wrong or sinful it is. Everybody say not that. But careful lovingly, gently, humbly addressing what is wrong and needs to change. And all of God's people said, huge deal. And it says, and above all these, put on love. And above on the, all these, put on love. In other words, make this the centerpiece. Your love for others 
starts with your love for your God. His love pouring into your heart, filling you up, you having a worship of him, it starts spilling horizontally to those around you. And as you get to know your savior more and more and more, the person who lives with you the most will know it. It will just be so obvious as he's changing your soul one little bit at a time, and all of a sudden you become a little more and add some of these in, and more and more and more. What a sweet, sweet opportunity we have to know the God of the universe who is love, and he's calling us to follow him. This is who he is, and he's calling us to let him change our hearts. This is what he's all about. It says, above all these things, put on love. That word is agape there. It means sacrificial love. It means laying yourself down for the good of another. A godly heart is these things. A godly heart will go after clothing yourself with compassionate hearts. Care about their hurt. Kindness. It'll call you to action. Humility. You're not going to force it to be all about you. You're prioritizing others. With meekness and patience and bearing with one another. As you're letting things wash on your shore and you're kindly and gently managing those problems. And if one has a complaint, forgiving one another. And may we begin to say, Lord, clothe my soul with all that you are. And all of God's people said, it says, and uh, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, which binds everything. How much? Love is a massive life changer. And a hate is not. Hate will devastate, love shapes, transforms, and brings the soul to a level that only God can do. Are you ready to let the God of love pour into your soul and change you from the inside out. You know, uh, this past couple weeks had something happen to me. Actually, I was at church and uh, I got my jeans caught on something and they tore all the way around on the leg. It was right towards the end of the day. And I was like, I gotta go get new jeans. Uh, I only have one other pair now. I got to go get some jeans. So I went out uh, to get some jeans and uh, I grabbed my daughter, Alyssa, who's on staff with us here too. I'm like, you're coming with, I don't want to look stupid when I buy these, right? I got to know what I'm getting and all that stuff. So she comes with me and we're walking through the mall. We went to Northwoods Mall. By the way, that's the first time I've been to the mall in a while. That place was desolate, man. I have no idea how these stores are managing it and how they're getting along. But it was like me and Alyssa, and all the people work in the stores. And we're walking around in there and trying to find things. And you know, when you walk past one store and they, like each store kind of has their own look, you know? And they've got it up in the windows and you're like, you know, they're going either for the super casual or the more dressed up, maybe the more fitted thing, or the, maybe they're going for the more bling or all the color or all those kinds of things, right? And uh, whatever it is, you can see the different designers and their unique statements they're trying to make as you're walking around. And, and uh, actually we walked up to one of the stores and I was like, all right, well, you know, these jeans look all right. And, and uh, so let's go in. We went in and, uh, you know, the jeans looked all right, taking them off the rack. And, and then I saw the price. Those jeans didn't look all right. So we moved on. <laughs> Dude, it was like $95 for a pair of jeans. And I was like, no, I'm moving on. 
So uh, we went to another spot and, uh, and found some uh, jeans there, and they actually had a second pair 50% off. I'm like, I'm loving that. And, and uh, by the way, I'm wearing one of them now. And, uh, and I was like, you know, this is actually looking all right. Actually, when we walked up to that store, I said, well, those are, look like they're more in style. Uh, what do you think if I got those? And Alyssa was like, no, Dad, you're, you're too old for those. <laughs> and she's not wrong. I was like, good, I'm glad you said it. I'm just making sure. I'm, che- I'm just checking. That's why you're here. And uh, let's get out of here. Let's go get the other ones. And so we went over to the other part of the store and got some jeans there and, and got a great price on them. Everything fit well. And hey, man, they had a nice designer who understood casual and being able to fit with the, still the, into the styles of today and all that stuff. The reality is the designer makes a lot of impact. I'm just telling you, we are told in this passage, go to the designer of the universe and be clothed with the clothes he makes. And don't go across to the other side. Man, Jesus is all about love and humility and meekness and forgiveness. Clothe yourselves with that. Don't go across to the others to hate and attack and anger and and lifting up self. And that's a different designer. And that is a destructive place. You don't want to shop there. And all of God's people said, may we go to the king of the universe and the designer of this universe who is these things. He calls us to go after it. Now, this is not a, okay, we read it. So I got to go out this afternoon and I got to start being meek and humble. I'm just going to make myself. Here we go. Like, not that. It's, Lord, may I meet you, the one who is meek and the one who is humble. Man, if you find yourself wrestling with one of these words or many of these words, go to passages that show God being that. Worship and adore the God who is that. And as you behold his glory, he literally says, he starts changing you. As we behold him, he changes us. Part of the secret is your worship of the God who is this. Be blown away with who God is and celebrate him and then say, Lord, fill me up with that, with who you are, and may that spill out. Then you go to cooperate and engage. It's a whole different ballgame. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Point number two, a godly heart will be impacted by a powerful relationship with Jesus. A godly heart will be impacted by a powerful relationship with Jesus. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the calm in the midst of the storm that is provided by only Jesus Christ reign in your soul. Like whatever's washing on, Lord, I'm staring at you. You're in charge. Let the peace of Christ rule, take charge, be the captain of your heart. Peace, everybody just say peace. I'm just telling you the number one problem that you hear about in this world today is anxiety. It's the exact opposite. It's no peace of Christ, it's, it's stirred up. And, and let's make sure we understand some of what's going on. How do we go after letting the peace of Christ rule? Easy to say it, hard to do it right? Can we all just admit that? Easy to say, no, that's the goal. 
But then all of a sudden things start wrestling and turning inside of me and what's happening? So Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven, just some great verses. By the way, the broader passage there, Philippians four, two through eight, phenomenal. But verses six and seven talk a lot about how this peace comes about. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Can you imagine if you just stopped there? You should read the Bible. Don't be anxious. That's what you do. Does, isn't that read it? Just go do it. That's muscling, right? If all you do is just don't, like if that's your counsel, don't do that. That, 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 that's, I get the factual start to that, but man, be careful. How do I get there? So he answers more of it. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, here we go, in everything, and how much? Let that settle. In everything, not just in spiritual things, not just in super hard things, in everything, here we go, By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And we'll break that down in just a second. By prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Will guard. Everybody say, will guard. It does not say, might guard. It says, and the peace of Christ will promise. God will follow through. There is a massive hope in this and a peace that comes in this. So let's break it down this way. Top four ways to find peace in a storm. Top four ways to find peace in a storm. Ready? Number one, rejoice in what you have in Jesus. Rejoice. Man, there is a massive uh, healing that comes as you celebrate some of what happens. And you may be very aware of problems going on, and it's not wrong to have tears. Please hear me. When it hurts, tears are appropriate. But it is wrong if we start to avoid all the things that might be going well. If we're not celebrating anything that's happening in our life, if there's no rejoicing of who Jesus is and what we have in him, man, it's going to tear down our peace. Rejoice with him. It actually says in Philippians 4, Uh, to make sure you go after that in a massive celebration. And then the second one, love. Like be reasonable with others. By the way, be reasonable is like a package deal of the whole set of words we just went through in Colossians 3, right? To make sure that you're being humble and meek and compassionate and kind. To make sure that you're bearing with one another. To make sure you're forgiving one another. That's being reasonable. It's clothed with love and caring for those around you. Right? Being reasonable with others. Love. So rejoice in what you have in Jesus. Love others around you. Love your God. Right? And now here's the third one. Pray. Pray. Like be specific. Bring it to your God. Pray. I'm just telling you, some of you are just hardcore prayers. You're like, I am so into prayer. I love bringing it to my God in prayer. And some of you, or maybe even many of you are like, I I don't do that. And I'm just telling you, peace is promised for those who come to God with the problems. Let that settle. Peace is promised to those who come to God with the problems. Be specific. Use Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as your example. Jesus comes and he's like, Father, 
take this cup from me. Do you see how specific that is? Like, Father, if there's anything that's changed, I would love for this to stop right now. Take this cup from me. Very specific request. But not my will be done, your will be done. Dude, that is some thunderous prayer. When you bring yourself before your God and you're like, Lord God, I would love to have it like this. This is how I could see it rolling, but I don't want the world according to Tim. I want the world according to my God, Jesus Christ. So what do you want? Your will be done. That is a thunderous power prayer. May God get all the glory. Are you ready to come to God and be honest? Or this is really killing me. And this is specifically what I would love to see happen. But your will be done. You know better. So I trust in you. Your will. And that is a thunder prayer. Too many people come to God in prayer and then they try to pray the thing they think they should want. And they're like, okay, God, I'm good with you just like letting this whole thing collapse on me. But really they're not. And as they're beginning to voice these words, they're not really with it. And all of a sudden prayer starts to sound like lying. I'm just going to tell God the way I think it should be, but it's not really where I even am. Bring your prayer specifically to your God and lay it out, tears included. Said Jesus cried tears that were like as thick as drops of blood. Tears included, this is where I'm at. I sense this struggle, God, but your will be done. And that is thunderous prayer. By the way, at the end of that, look who's in charge of the problem now. God himself. You have handed it over and it isn't yours to manage. There are so many times where the anxieties of this world rise up because we feel like we have to make it different and fill in the blank. All too often, anxieties rise up because we try to control it ourselves. I mean, the world teaches, man, be true to yourself and make, make sure this happens when, and, and all of a sudden we're trying to run around controlling the world and it's freaking us out. May we be done with that. Lord God, I'm trusting you and you're leading it and you never give me more than I should have and so I'm in it with you. Whatever you say, here we go. Does an amazing work on calming the heart. And then the last one, so it's rejoice, love, pray, and then thank, thank. It's actually repeated three times over in this small portion of Colossians. Thank him. Be willing to say thank you, Lord, for, and be able to see those details. Trust him. You don't really thank someone until you're trusting them. Thank you for this. This is amazing. I'm leaning on you. Right? Maybe we put all this together as you go before your God in the middle of a struggle. My God can. My God will. And even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. And that is a thunderous statement of celebration. And it just starts easing the soul. I am not on this. My God has it. And Lord, I'm trying to just remain with you as we walk through it. You are awesome. Look, I'm not saying that there aren't certain moments where there could be chemical things going on that might cause something separate, okay? But the reality is, all too often, people call chemical and then blow off these four things. 
Everybody say that's a terrible plan. May we follow God's word. And if more is needed, so be it. But may we follow God's word. And all of God's people said, all right. It says, uh, to which indeed you were called in one body. Did you know you were called to peace in the church? Did you know that? That there should be peace and getting along and a massive unity within the body that is called the church. Why? Because God is unity and God is love and a massive hope in that. Man, a church in upheaval is a church that has taught people to assert themselves. As we assert Jesus Christ in charge, it starts calming the souls of the church and brings us together. May we constantly worship Jesus Christ and watch him take over. It says, to which you were called, this peace, and it says, and be thankful. There's the, the big statement again, and be thankful. Make sure you think back on blessings. I just wrote this phrase down. An amazing healing to the soul is to remember the good. An amazing healing to the soul is to remember the good. Rejoicing and thanking can go a long way in helping manage the struggles. And then it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. First it said, let the peace of Christ, well now let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. May God's word literally thrive in your soul. We already talked about it in the first point where we encounter God in his word, encounter. But we don't just run over and start doing like faking that we got it together. We now move to worship, we exalt him, encounter, exalt Lord, I see you in your word. I grasp who you are. I see what you're doing. And from that position of worship, God begins to change my soul. And I very naturally step out into engaging. Encounter, exalt, engage. It is the secret to life change. Encounter God in his word. Exalt him because of what you see of him in his word. And that worship starts beholding him with all he is and he starts changing you one degree at a time. And then you let that affect you as you step out, engage. Encounter, exalt, hang on and worship. Now engage. That's the secret to putting it on, okay? He says here, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Teaching, like making it clear, and admonishing, like having accountability. Come on, man, this needs to adjust. We need to take a stand with each other and for each other. We are one, and the world will attack. Are you ready? The world is mounting a force and is ready to come at the church and challenge your resolve. Are you in with the God of love? Man, this is a massive moment. Right now, there is a, a force amassing, trying to come at those who long to take away the lives of little ones. And abortion is being raised up, and now if you don't care for that, you're not love. Wrong answer. We love Jesus Christ, we love him as creator, and we do love the life he makes. And all of God's people said, are you ready to take that stand? I love the God of love, and I stand with him. Now get ready to take it without anger, but with a lot of passion and you won't move. May God get all the glory. The church will begin to be attacked more and more by the designer of clothes from a whole nother front. Down with that plan. 
May we truly dress ourselves with the one who is love, and may we treat each other the same. May God get all the glory. He says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Man, there is power in singing as we allow the words of truth to well up and spill out with volume raised and then softer, with uh, octave jumps and then back down. And things happen as we sing. Don't let your singing only be for the worship time here in this place for a handful of minutes as we sing. May it be throughout the week as you learn to be able to use songs to build your worship. Your thankfulness, your rejoicing can come in the middle of the singing. It says, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And may our singing truly be that thankfulness. And then it says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything. Do how much? All of it. Bring all of it to God in prayer. Do all of it, ready? In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do everything for his glory. Please hear me. Too many people try to compartmentalize church. I'll do church for the glory of Jesus. I do work for the glory of me. I do life in the community for the glory of our family. And be careful with those things. Do everything for the glory of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought, when we're saved, why doesn't he just remove us from this broken world? Get us out of here. It's a mess. Why not? Because we are called to be lights on a hill. We are called to show others what it is to stand for Jesus Christ. And we have the privilege of saying, I know the creator of the universe. I know the God who is love. And I know the God who will rock your world. Are you ready to know this savior? Are you ready to beam like a light on a hill in a city so on fire for Jesus Christ? May this church be on fire for Jesus Christ, one soul at a time, one family at a time, and one body at a time. And all of God's people said, amen, man. May God get all the glory. Let's pray.